Welcome back everyone to Point of Sale, the retail supply chain show where we break down great retailers and the data and technology that move their supply chains. Excited to be back here as a long week last week over in Chattanooga, Tennessee for the Future of Freight Festival. Love the town, love everyone there, my Freightways family there, and of course, I enjoyed such a wonderful time meeting so many different entrepreneurs in this space, seeing the technology that is, of course, powering our supply chains today, uh, and most importantly, looking forward to the future of supply chain, especially in retail as well. Uh, and that leads us to a couple of our topics today. We do have a guest with us who's going to dive into a lot of what they learned uh, providing tech solutions, not only to shippers, uh, brokers, but also uh, carriers out there as well, uh, and how their retail clients are profiting some of them as well off of those uh, technologies and what they look forward to in 2023. But I figured why not use this time too to kind of look forward into our space here in the retail tech world and where exactly we see the technology going in 2023 as well. And big shout out to partner CB Insights for a lot of the research that they do uh, to keep us up to date on exactly what we should be looking out for. And recently put out an interesting study on three different areas that I found uh, especially important when I look back at a number of episodes that we've had in the past, talking about brands like Walmart, 7-Eleven, Target, etc., and how they're improving their supply chains. Well, a lot of these areas, those individuals are invested in as well. So why don't we dive right into it? These are three different retail tech trends of 2023 and what you should be watching out for, for all of you investors or entrepreneurs out there looking to change the game as well. I think the first one speaks for itself. It's something that we've been focusing on, I'd say, even in 2022, and that's e-commerce efficiencies. We've been diving more and more into improving the way that we're using consumer data and all that stuff that we uh, ask you to allow us to track on your phones. Yes, that stuff, the consumer data to automate and improve a lot of the product offerings by retailers today. If we can bring up an image really quick, you'll see how much more investment has gone into improving the marketing and especially tracking uh, and pulling data from consumers over the past quarter alone. You know what they said, when you don't have sales coming in, boy, your marketing plan better be reaching new markets and new people and new consumers every single day. And so I think we'll see a lot more of that type of investment on the marketing side of things and how we're using our data to uh, focus on certain groups in order to bring new customers and new markets into our retail uh, supply chains or retail companies as well. Now, what's interesting is uh, exactly what we're doing with this technology and how we're making our e-commerce uh, market more efficient. The first, of course, is to track a lot of our marketing images and what people respond to, how you're, how you're clicking and how your mouse is moving around different uh, marketing images or um, different sites as well. What's stopping you from clicking uh, check out on that cart, right? That's the biggest thing people want to know, especially in times like these. Of course, in the past, we're 
overly focused on bringing the customer back as we will tend to do. And if anything, making that cart as full as possible. Uh, but when, when we have consumers at home really looking at their finances, uh, one, we need to make sure that that stickiness is there. And two, that if there's a new consumer, a new person on our site or on our retail site, that we're doing everything we can to have them uh, check out on that cart. So tracking those movements, helping influencers as well, also gauge what products they move best is going to be really powerful. Uh, and, and think about that too, as merchants or small, medium-sized businesses offering some type of product to retailers, really ask and make sure that whoever you're using, whether it's Amazon, you're under Walmart's marketplace, uh, even if it's uh, a store within your own town, uh, make sure that from your marketing partners, you're getting that data and that you're figuring out exactly what your leverage is within your own uh, environment as well. Over time, this will, of course, boost conversion rates and lower cost as everything becomes more targeted. Uh, anything you can do to lower customer acquisition costs, we all watch Shark Tank. That's one of uh, Mark Cuban's favorite uh, things to ask for when he's not sure about a special product. How much does it cost to convert and acquire a customer? Well, these areas and these investments will help improve that over time. Uh, the second one is things that we've talked about in the past as well, especially with one of our last guests when we are talking about uh, improvements in retail space in Latin America, focusing on small business digitization, but more importantly, focus on, on especially a lot of these emerging global markets. Uh, we even had uh, Boxy on last, uh, I believe last episode, uh, and they talked about this too, as, as we see certain economies begin to uh, restrict itself and tighten up, there are still going to be emerging economies that are just starting to get true access to the internet of things and getting and finally being able to participate in this global e-commerce network. Uh, you see a lot of this investment within India in particular, um, while others might be falling, uh, I'm not going to say off a cliff, but falling off of their, um, their crowns, such as China. There are other economies out there, including Latin America, South America, India in particular, uh, that have many new markets emerging, which will bring more small merchants uh, to our e-commerce space. Uh, so we got to invest in technologies that help them too. And that's going to be a uh, number of procurement, advertising, inventory management tools, uh, anything that will allow a small merchant to uh, build their business quicker, get themselves uh, on that playing field and offer their special service or their product uh, that's not offered somewhere else to everyone across the globe. Uh, and why is that important? Well, emerging markets offer a chance for growth in some areas. And again, once so many economies out there struggling to keep up, um, we're going to be seen as partner with a lot of these smaller emerging markets to make sure that uh, we're there to support that, too, here in the United States. Uh, and a third one, the last but definitely not least, is brings a new word, I think, to this, uh, this show as well. Retail media networks. And more importantly, monetizing the retail ad uh, real estate. So there is a number of companies, Walmart, Target, Dollar General, 7-Eleven, that have started investing in their own advertising networks. So they're able to offer this to a lot of their clients that are offered um, 
whether food, beverages, et cetera, products within their stores, a chance to, uh, of course, get the best advertising and marketing statistics and data at their fingertips. Uh, but creating their own media network, they're able to leverage that and, of course, make money off that as well. Uh, perfect examples are 7-Eleven has the Gulp Media Network. Uh, they just released that, I believe, a couple months ago. Lowe's has One Roof Media Network that they partnered with Yahoo to have, uh, too. And so it gives these big retailers a chance to uh, score new and high margin revenue within their already existing media assets. And, of course, it's important because as sales get slow, Advertising is going to be working overtime to find those hidden clients out there, those hidden uh, purchasers and buyers that uh, maybe companies haven't been able to reach before. And I think in particular, those are are the biggest ones that I'm excited to look uh, forward to emerging into 2023, especially the the RMNs, the retail media networks. They're very interesting. And it's, it's, I love seeing how these different groups, these companies that we all love, uh, are really investing in the people and how they're finding the people and their purchasers over time. Even a fun one that I, I did find while doing research on this is 7-Eleven has their own uh, Brain Freeze Collective, which is a group of individuals that they've put together to offer feedback on all of their services and all of their products today. Uh, and that will continue to give them feedback as they start to add different products to their shelves as well. Uh, I just think that's funny. Brain freeze, uh, slushies. Who doesn't love that, right? Uh, so, of course, those are some big areas that we're focusing on in retail today. But I think it's important as we look at the servicers behind a lot of these, right? A lot of these areas are focused on more of the advertising, using client data to bring better products and improve uh, the client stickiness over time. But if you, sticky as you can make that client, if the products aren't getting to their doorstep and if fair price in a timely manner, nothing's worth it. So that's how I have one of my favorite companies here, guest as well, Jim Nicholson, Senior Vice President of Operations over at LoadSmart. Jim, thank you so much for joining me today. Long time no see. <laughs> hey, Grace, you are uh, certainly one of my favorite freight people. So uh, absolutely a privilege to, to have another opportunity at a conversation. So have me have uh, or appreciate you having me on. Yeah. One of my favorite memories about uh, Loadsmart and you guys as well is so the first time I met you uh, was in your old Chicago office, which, by the way, I've got to go oh. see the new one. Uh, but you guys had that unicorn. And it was so funny because I said, well, is this something you guys are going to hit? And what was it? Like months later, maybe a year at most, uh, it happens. So congratulations to your team. I love watching you grow. And one of the reasons I definitely wanted to have you on the show is because you have a number of great partnerships with retail-centric technologies. You'll get or Oracle, Blue Yonder, to name a few. You've helped companies like Home Depot really leverage the type of uh, trailers they're using to not only improve their own supply chain, but make a little money off of it over time, too. Uh, working so closely with this uh, area of our economy. Uh, tell us, what do you see volume-wise for the rest of the year? What are you hearing from them in terms of what this peak season time could be like uh, and what they expect out of that Q1 of 2023? Absolutely, Grace. Well, you hit it on the head. Um, we're very fortunate to have really strong st strategic partnerships. Uh, that's a core strategy of ours. 
Um, and uh, we've been very fortunate to be able to grow and cultivate uh, really good relationships with multiple players, uh, not just shippers, but technology companies uh, and also on the supply side. Uh, to that question, uh, we, you know, we're also fortunate because we have a lot of connectivity uh, into these different systems that enables us to, to capture some, some impactful data, uh, notably on the market. Uh, so we've actually spent some quite a bit of time this year really packaging and formalizing and processing that. Uh, now, our LoadSmart volume index, uh, po on the positive note, uh, showed stabilization uh, September and October. Uh, but we have to be realistic of uh, there certainly had wins uh, ahead of us. Uh, notably, I think about retail sales year over year growth has, uh, has, has trended in negative territory since March on average. Uh, certainly the impact of multiple rate hikes uh, will certainly most likely have a dampening effect on uh, consumer spending behavior. And as we all know, uh, the contract and spot rate environments uh, contracts, certainly as, as shippers have uh, recycled their, their annual contracts uh, and reset that lower based on just the current state of the freight markets. Uh, certainly will put more downward pressure on spot volume. So uh, we're certainly looking at, uh, you know, a, any, any sort of uh, growth would be, uh, with the exception of uh, a certain outlier event, uh, very muted. Uh, looking at this holiday season, uh, it's really been a sponge. Uh, so capacity has been able to absorb any sort of short-term volatility. Uh, so really we're in it. We, we see, you know, this is probably closely akin to what, what a 2019 rate uh, freight environment looked like. Uh, but let's be honest, right? We've, you know, we've been in this, uh, in this business for a long time. Uh, freight markets are always cyclical. Uh, it's important for all business and parties to, uh, to really build their business, to be resilient to those freight, freight market cycles. Uh, and one last anecdotal tied to, you know, the original question, uh, we had an opportunity, I had an opportunity last week to spend some time with, with one of our larger retail customers actually doing a, a, a tour of one of their larger distribution centers. Uh, and what was really interesting, we've certainly heard and seen some of the statistics and data points in terms of retail inventories. Uh, but it's really, it hits home when you're able to actually see it and coming to fruition um, and just stacked uh, facilities with, with tons of product. Uh, and the warehouse manager, essentially, you know, he was telling us uh, last year, right, inbound uh, essentially was turned to outbound within 24 hours. Uh, what does it look like now? Uh, that product's sitting for days, if not weeks, uh, before it's shipped outbound. So it just wow. kind of hits home the, the state of what's really going on, uh, notably with the retail customers. So, uh, again, we'll, we'll be in a, a bit of a flatlining, kind of stable environment. Um, uh, potentially Q1 might see a little bit of more downward pressure. Yeah, a lot of what we're seeing here, too, on the sonar side of things as well. And uh, props to you and your team. You guys have some really great market analysts over there that you've added throughout this past year. Uh, a couple of really incredible smart women as well. So as I get ready to go to Women in Trucking here next week, it, it made me just think of that, too. So props to you all. And uh, while servicing a lot of your clients, especially on the technology side of things and, uh, of course, the data that you're able to provide them behind a lot of your decision making, what are some of like the biggest lessons you feel like you've learned with your team uh, over the past year? And how do you plan on carrying those lessons into 2023 to help make improvements and making their supply chain more efficient? Yeah, so what's uh, what's really important, we believe, is staying true to what, what your core mission is. At Lotsmart, our mission is move more with less. Uh, so we certainly have not uh, strayed or changed course in terms of really what our core focus is and what we're really looking to accomplish uh, in our vision to, to what the future of this industry looks like. 
but really, based on even this market condition last year, year to date, uh, it's just an uh, accelerator emphasized uh, the importance of the quality of the product that you're delivering to your customer, right? Uh, and when I think about quality, it's it's really two angles. One being, you know, on our services, our, our logistic services business, uh, service per- performance is paramount. Um, so how we can better leverage uh, and build internal technologies, visibility uh, to improve the service performance that we're delivering to customers, it's more important now than ever, uh, certainly in downward, down market, uh, down freight markets. Uh, but also, you know, the value of uh, diversifying and expanding uh, the types of solutions that you're offering. And we'll talk a little bit about this, I think, later in the, in the conversation. Uh, we've really focused on doubling down our efforts on just the quality of our product, uh, on the service that we offer, but expanding and, and finding opportunities to position ourselves better with our customers. Uh, and then secondly, I would say, you know, our course, you know, a core to our strategy uh, is, is partnerships. We talked about this earlier. Um, and really, we believe we've seen the best technologies and products that we've uh, introduced to the market uh, are not products that we internally uh, conceptualized, built, and did everything. It's really the result of really strong uh, collaborative efforts with multiple parties um, to, to really go deep in terms of what specifically are the pain points, what are the gaps within the different processes you have. Uh, whether it's procurements, um, execution, settlements, all of the above, uh, and really all of our the, the best products and, and technologies that we've delivered have been a result of really strong collaborative effort with those partners um, in, in the approach to ideation, uh, building, execution, scale. Uh, so, you know, Home Depot is certainly a public part, a, a great partner of ours that's, that's very public in some of the efforts that we're doing with them. Uh, but we've we we certainly have uh, a tremendous stack of of, of great partners that uh, have been open and and also aligned with what we're intending to do our aspirations uh, in really transforming this industry. So we're excited, uh, and these are the opportunities. These specifically, you know, more challenging conditions to actually uh, really build uh, your business the way you'd like to. So uh, it's you know it's it's a it's a unique opportunity for us that. Uh, we feel we're really positioned well, uh, specifically when the market turns around. Yeah, and I think one of those is mode optimization. That's really been your focus since day one. I'd say probably part of your your main values, right, is being able to help your customers understand all different modes available and and how to leverage those efficiently, even with your recent Mercury Gate uh, integration for LTL. Can you speak on how that offering has improved over time and and what you think uh, that might continue to improve into 2023? Um, absolutely. This is uh, we see this as a tremendous opportunity. We're quite surprised not not a lot of other folks are actually uh, skating in the same direction, but we're we're excited about that. Uh, you know, you look at some of the data points, right? I've uh, you know one that rings out to me is one of every four trucks on the road uh, is running empty. Two of those are running maybe half or, or mainly empty, partially full, uh, and one is full. Uh, if you think of percentage-wise, one-way fleets uh, typically would run thirty to thirty-five percent empty. Uh, when you get to dedicated fleets, you're talking like 40 to 50% empty. So there's a tremendous amount of waste uh, in terms of what's actually operating on the roads right now. Um, so we see a ton of opportunity, but there's really not a great product uh, for shippers to, number one, understand what are preferred modes uh, for their specific supply chain. Um, number two, which is even more important, more powerful, is to be able to actually execute that. So 
Uh, true mode optimization, uh, which is very, very, very difficult, requires very sophisticated technology, uh, but it also requires very good offerings, right? So we've, we've spent the last couple of years, uh, you know, last two or three years, really building and focusing on our LTL product, our partial truckload product, uh, dredge, intermodal, and warehousing. Uh, and we're really excited about what we've been able to build within each of those. And now we've packaged that together with Shipper Guide, which is a really best-in-class uh, platform for shippers to really be able to execute uh, and optimize cost for their supply chain. So uh, we're excited. It's come a long way. Uh, we, we've introduced this more recently. Uh, there's still some work to get to do, but uh, we're really excited about how we're positioned uh, to, to really offer a transformative multimodal solution to the industry. Yeah, and a big part of that, and I'm, I'm happy to talk to you about this finally now in person too, is the NMFTA. There we go. I recently announced that after hundreds of years of transportation, we're finally going to get electronic EOLs. And the one piece of the industry I think needed it the most, to be very honest with you. Uh, what were your thoughts when you heard about that announcement? And, and how how excited is your team who was working to get off of paper, I'm sure as well, uh, to see the industry moving forward in that way? <laughs> Absolutely. We, we, we have been uh, certainly exploring and testing some, some EBOL uh, capabilities. We're thrilled. Uh, this is a step forward for the industry. Um, it's going to better allow specifically, to your point in LTL, the free flow of critical shipment details through the life cycle of a shipment uh, and much more transparency, right? Challenges and some of the things that we'll really have to focus on is uh, very strong alignment in terms of the standardization of even the formatting of the data. Um, but the infrastructure and technology that's going to need to be uh, enabled uh, and also standardized across the industry is going to be really critical for success. So uh, I think it'll take some time. We're, we're certainly thrilled about it. Um, and it's going to help us solve a lot of problems, whether it's, you know, the, the, the nuances within LTL, OSND. Um, but those shippers that really adopt this certainly, I think, will be favored in terms of shipper of choice and, and better having opportunity for advanced, you know, preferred cost uh, controls for their business. Uh, just based on the sheer efficiency and waste that it would drive out of all the paper back and forth, right? In uh, LTL, certainly, we, we, we welcome, we embrace that. The future of all shipping is certainly EBOL. So uh, we're, we're probably in the early stages. Uh, we've seen, we certainly see certain shippers and certain companies, you know, implementing that within theirs. But again, it's about the standard, standardization across the industries. That, that's going to be really critical for uh, seeing this at scale. So we're thrilled. Uh, we're, we want to be a part of it uh, and not just participating, but helping to, to build and, uh, and influence and accelerate the path towards this. Yeah, I, it's probably one of my favorite news pieces of uh, the last quarter. Finally seeing yep. this industry realizing, let's get rid of this paperwork. And uh, to wrap this up, I only have a few minutes left here with you. Uh, any predictions you can make on freight tech for 2023, uh, being so close to it and being so, uh, such a powerful uh, proponent of it within this industry? Anything you think in particular is worth noting? No, I, I look at three different kind of themes. One is going to be uh, tech, how can technology help weather some of the volatility in the market um, and more transparent adoption, of more transparent pricing uh, and capacity solutions. We've seen a lot of acceleration there uh, within our shipper customers, um, but we're excited about that. Uh, is more transparency, visibility, and flexibility to, to contracted pricing. Uh, number two is going to be really just, you know, some some cogs in the supply chain. A couple of things that come to mind, EBOL, we're really excited about, so I'd note that. Um, doc scheduling, appointments, um, that's a big pain point. 
uh, in the industry. So we certainly have a solution with OpenDoc that we feel is a leader in the space. But um, looking at the different aspects of the domestic supply chain and where can we really deploy technology more effectively. Uh, and then lastly, I would say collaboration. Um, so data sharing, collaborative uh, technologies and, and partnerships uh, that actually bring different groups together to solve unique problems, right? And we've seen the emergence of, of some platforms there that we're really excited about uh, and that we're actively partnering with. So 2023 will be, uh, again, another exciting year in freight tech. I love that. And uh, you guys are really making the moves over there for a lot of people, I think, to follow in 2023 as well. Uh, Jim, where can people reach out to you to learn more about LoadSmart or talk with you directly? Uh, absolutely, Grace. Thanks again so much for having me on. Uh, LoadSmart.com. would love to, you know, if you want to learn more about our company, um, Jim Nicholson on Twitter, uh, reach out to me. Uh, would love to have a conversation. Thanks again, Grace course and hopefully to visit you guys soon in, in chicago and uh to our audience as well uh thank you so much for being a part of this wonderful wonderful community of course it is a community and we have a newsletter that goes out bi-weekly for you too so head over to uh, freightwaves.com slash pos and you can go ahead and sign up for that and i'll get delivered to you twice a week and you can also check me out on the radio on sirius xm every single day monday through friday from 5 to 7 p.m talking all of the wonderful stuff that we're talking out here, but even more areas of transportation and supply chain as well. Again, that's on SiriusXM's Road Dog Trucking Channel, Channel 146. And everyone going to Women in Trucking next week, I'll be there. So hit my inbox up now. Let's get all of our meetings out of the way so you can enjoy all of our time together next week. Uh, I'll have some fun stuff on air for you too. And Kaylee Nix will be joining me as well. Until then, everyone, enjoy purchasing things because if you don't purchase things, then I don't have a show to talk about retail stuff with you for so enjoy your week and i will talk to you all next week